Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. 710 ESPN presents The Experience Experience with Laverne Cusack. Where we go beyond the play and focus on athletes, fans, events, and the biggest issues that inspire and shape our lives. Here's the host of The Experience, Laverne Cusack. Laverne Cusack. Fern Cusack speaking with Kestrin Pantera. She's director, filmmaker, screenwriter, actor extraordinaire, Mother's Little Helpers, and Cool Benson, who stars as Nurse Cool in the movie as well. We're going to dive deep into what it means to be family, the characters and the meaning behind them, and how many family struggles turn out to help a family grow. And welcome to the show. Now, Kestrin, give us a little bit about your background and what led you to Mother's Little Helpers. Mother's Little Helpers was based off of my own experience of coming home to uh, like an aging boomer parent's house with a bunch of adult grown siblings and kind of being trapped there together in isolation, loving each other, fighting, going insane, crying. Um, and laughing hysterically kind of through a really hard time. And uh, it really, I never would have expected that it has become the great national nightmare that we're living today in 2020. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I, I, based off of my own personal experience, it's, it's kind of crazy how relatable it is right now. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, it's, we, it's coming out. So <laughs> it's, you know, now, now or never. So, I mean, I guess there's a kind of gift that it is something that maybe can kind of speak to what people are going through right now. Oh, absolutely. And I could identify with it on so many levels. Speaking of like grief, how you deal with family, the family dynamics, we're all shut in. How are we communicating with each other? It touched on so many things. I was like, oh, wow, she like psychic or something. She knew all this stuff was going to go down. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's it's totally crazy. My first movie was called Let's Ruin It with Babies. And it was about being afraid of having a kid. And then I got knocked up while I was um, filming. And so and then this one was about this. And they were all like in isolation. So I was like, okay, so my next movie is going to be about an amazing, timeless uh, movie director who is a woman and she's just shooting hits. Like, (laughs) got to be careful. (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. And cool, you play a nurse in the movie Mother's Little Helpers. What mm-hmm. gravitated you towards this uh, character? Well, it was really funny that um, Kestrin called me to do this part because I actually had some experience as like in in uh, home care. Uh, me and Kelly had uh invested in uh, a home care agency briefly so we went through training oh, wow. on how to do hospice care and so i had a background in that she had no idea wow. that i actually had a background in uh, hospice care so um it was really something that i could relate to and uh it just you know happened really naturally so, Kestrin, what was your vision of this film, and how did you get it implemented? 
The story was something that came to me kind of as a means of processing the experience that I'd been through with our family. And um, it was something I thought about and really wrote clearly for several years before it came together. And then in um, January, we were having a New Year's party and my friend Brita came over and I knew that she had lost her dad recently and she was on a big TV show that was shooting and she was like, look, I can't go out for pilot season. So if you want to shoot something, I'm just kind of hanging out. And I was like, I have an idea for a feature film. It's about this. Let's shoot it right now. And she was like, whoa, I was thinking more like a podcast or something. But uh, um, It's good to have friends people, like that around, right? You know, and she's such a talented actor, as are all the actors in my film. So when she said yes, it gave me this kind of manic, idea that perhaps everyone else would say yes if I were not so scared that I couldn't ask them. So I asked all the best actors and, and the most kind and talented, loving people that I know uh, to be in the movie, cool included, and they all said yes. And it was it was just a, a gift. It came together very quickly. We shot the film very quickly in 11 days. Wow. Cool, cool was um, among the last to join and I had this vision for his role based on my own experience of, you know, working with a hospice nurse that it's almost like Oprah or someone is guiding you through this really hard time mm-hmm. that it had to be this person of infinite love and generosity of spirit. And it was just like, it was, it's so, I mean, cool is that, I mean, he's the embodiment of that. Yes. He understood the role so intuitively and I mean I'll let him speak because it really just hearing cool is to know him <laughs> yes let's get to know you cool well thank you Kestrin for that but it was really your direction that kind of brought me to that character and, and she did say that she was like channel your inner Oprah <laughs> like, <laughs> just be caring and be kind and be all that I know that you are and just put that into the dialogue and put yourself into that place. And I, I, I just tried to do what she, you know, directed me to do. And I tried to do it, you know, as genuinely as I possibly could. And being with actors like uh, Brita and Sam and Kestrin, it totally fell like into place. You know, they're all experienced and I'm kind of like a newcomer, but when I was there with them, they were just like so in it. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I gotta really be in it. This is real. Like, come on, cool, pull together. Right. But yeah, I mean, they're all great actors and um, it was, it was hard, hard not to like let that fall onto your, to yourself. And I was so honored to be there. And, and when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome. She did such a great job of bringing out the best in everyone. So, yeah, I don't know. All, all the actors yeah. were very, very strong, Kestrin. Can you talk about the character development? Yeah, a lot of it was based on my own experience when you get a big family with really smart and funny people coming together to, to do something really hard. Often, um, it's actually really funny. Like, if you get a bunch of smart, funny people in a room, it's really funny. Okay, Kestrin, talk about your character. Yeah, so a lot of it was based off of what happens when you get a bunch of smart, funny people together 
to go through something hard. Usually something really funny is going to happen. And a lot of it was just from observing different family dynamics of how the older siblings relate to the younger siblings. And sometimes the older siblings, if there's a flawed parent, are much closer to the flaws and the fire than the younger siblings. Because the younger siblings have like, you know, a couple bigger, big kids to protect them, you know, from whatever Mm -hmm. the problem is. So, um, I just, and everyone I think was pulling from their own family dynamics as we created these characters. So a lot of the character development was based off of this family archetype of what it is like to relate to a flawed parent, especially when you have sort of a waterfall of siblings that are buffers from that Mm -hmm. parent. And then the actor's own interpretation of what that means to them. Some folks came from big families. So there was a lot of the inner life work of the actor that brought that into the story. Yeah, there was so much. It was so layered. And of course, I know that, you know, with the writing and to have great actors bring it out, it makes it look easy. But they are so well written. And like, I can relate with every single character in there. Talk about the oldest sister. So Brita Wool plays the oldest sister and she comes from a big family and she brought a lot of her own ideas to the role. So we would, there was just like long phone calls every night. Every phone call with Brita is like one hour minimum and you love every second of it. Um, (laughs) She came at me with a lot of questions and it's almost like she was a specialist in her role And she would come with these really profound questions and insights. And often I would be like, well, wow. I mean, you have thought about this way more than I have because you're really, you know, you're a professional. So it was definitely a conversation. It was a debate. It was an ongoing um, writing session, just working with her as an actor. One line that really made it for me with her character, because, you know, my, my parents, they've passed away and, after like my dad passed away, I asked the same questions that she did. Like, what could, what could we have known to help him? What, what could we have done? And I love when you guys are in the living room and she looks at you cool and says, what about holistic things? What about, <laughs> it was so yeah. funny, but you were so great. What about you, the, you're like, yeah. that's what about a good idea. <laughs> What about crystals yeah. <laughs> to help with cancer? About, and she did go there. And, and I, that's one of my favorite moments too in the film is like, I can see her like spinning and spinning and spinning. What can we do? What if, what if, what if? And, and I just, I just had to reach out and just touch her and just be like, girl, it's going to be okay. Like, right. it's okay. Like you, we got this. We're going to do the best that we can. And, and that was one of the real authentic moments in the movie for me that really just came out of just being in the moment, you know, right. like I, she was so in it. Like, what if I, what if we're going to forget this? What if we're going to forget this? What if we're going to forget this? Like she was, that's, that's, that's what I was meaning when I was saying that she's so real, that the actors are so authentic. Like for me, I was in it too. Like, I was like, I just want you to be okay. Like, let me mm-hmm. grab you. Let me hold you. This is going to be okay. And that's, yeah. That just comes from, you know, the great direction and just really diving in to the moment and pulling from your experience as an actor. And, uh, it, you know, that's yeah. the work. That's that's the work. And and Kestrin, with her character, 
as the oldest, she took care of the younger kids, but now she seems like she totally can't do anything at all. How did you flip that in the script? I mean, I feel like what she did was like a lot of people, right? Like, especially if they're older, it's like, they're not going to be millennial technology experts. They're more, they're (laughs) less likely to be into technology often. And especially if they're able to provide emotional support that gives us like what we need, like what we need when we're little is love and attention and someone to be there with us. And if you have a parent who is not able, who's not there, and um, often it's a it's another kid that is the one that that presents that that love and that supply that we need as people in order to to thrive and and become whole. And being present for someone and loving someone is very different from being able to operate, um, uh, you know, a Google Hangout or to be able to navigate the healthcare system. <laughs> They're very discrete skill sets, you know, and there's not much overlap often. Yeah. yeah, she's like, when you guys were doing the, the, I guess it was Zoom or FaceTime calls, she's like, I don't even know how to turn this on. And I ha- Move the mouse. Move, move. Oh, God. Yeah. Isn't that totally like, this, I, I'm going to relate to this because this is like, if I was at the movie with my, with my sister, if you can't see me, guys, but I'm a black man. So... <laughs> My my sisters, my black girl sisters would be at yelling at the screen, girl, use the mouth. Just move it. Those are one of those moments that you want to yell at the screen to help, yes. to help her out. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's also a that I think everyone, we're living a Zoom lifestyle right now. You know, everyone's camera's not loading. Like, I have a device, the camera's not loaded, no one can see me, I have to switch to it. Like, I'm in, like, the battery dies. I mean, we're all just living in this really chaotic state where our only thing that binds us right now, as we are right now, is like a technology, some software. And in the software bringing us together, it really drives us apart as much as it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- absolutely. Um, and then you have another sister in the movie, Lucy. Yeah. And she's the, the doctor. Tell us about that character and her development. Well, I think Lucy's character as the youngest is the farthest from the fire. The fire being a, the mother, the flawed matriarch of the family, who they're all coming home to support as she's kind of departing uh, this life. And um She's, you know, Lucy's the most successful. She's got it together. She's pragmatic. You know, there's a lot of spiritual debate uh, between the older sister. You know, there, there's, there is in the film a spiritual debate between yeah. people who have, are a science and, and fiction or science and, and religion. <laughs> yeah, yes. atheism and spirituality, and and she's staunchly on kind of the the hard atheist side of of, of the the pragmatic and scientific side and. Because she's a doctor, she is, uh, and as with Nurse Cool, like she, she encounters death on a regular basis and has a much more callous perspective to it, where it's like, I don't know, man, this is going to happen. It happens all the time. Can't do much. If you can, you can. You can't, you know, it's not that deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got a harsher perspective. And, and my dad is a doctor. So I think that some of that was informed by just having a person who goes to the ER you know, during breakfast or lunch or dinner in the middle of the night. And it's just, that's just part of their day. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully it's not when it goes well, like you set up a good center, you're able to deal with strokes, you get all the practices in place to intervene. But like, 
if the patient comes in, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, it's also another part of like where we are right now as a country is like dealing with the fact that there's some stuff that we don't have control over and medicine is very limited in the grand scheme of what it is we're able to deal with. And where the medical industry stops is where our hearts begin and we have to grapple with these things and it's hard and, but nothing is so hard that we can't, we have to find a way to laugh at it in the middle of Mm -hmm. the grief because it's like, we're not equipped Mm -hmm. to be in that dark of a place. Like that's why we survive. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, dealing with my, my father's death and, and my mother's death, it's like, it was all a guessing game. No one knows for sure. It was a guessing game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he might have six weeks or he might have nine months. Like where we are with like what's going on right now. It's like, well, we're going to try this antiviral. We're going to try this one. We're going to try a tube. We're going to try laying on your chest. And like, you know, it, it is that iterative exploration where, you know, finally, sometimes you get like penicillin and you have a eureka moment and like something actually works. But I don't know. Like a lot of medicine is just kind of hoping (laughs) based on the scientific method. The scientific method is hoping or having an idea and saying, let's see if this works. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. People people actually tried bleach. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do that. that. (laughs) Tried bleach. I I, I thought I read in Georgia that someone actually tried that. Yeah. Do not do that. that. Yes. (laughs) Do not do that. Right. No, but it's it's something how there's a, a fear factor that comes in from loss. Like, I don't want to lose, like your character, I don't want to lose my mom. Okay, I don't want to lose my dad. Okay, what can I do? What is the fear behind our energy or our, you know, our emotion? And you guys captured that so well. Talk about how that moved from you know, your mom having cancer to you and each of the characters dealing with her unconscious on a couch on mm. in a chair. I'm interested actually in what cool, because cool was kind of pivotal in that, in that moment. Mm. Um, mm. So I guess. I, well, yeah, I think um, that part of the movie like hit home for a lot of people because you, you wonder like, She's just there. Like, what are we, what are, what is, can she hear us? Can she not hear us? Like, what is going to, why is she just laying there? So all these mm-hmm. questions are going through your mind, <clears throat> your mind. And, um, you know, people, you know, with the, I think there's a line in the film where you're, you know, you're like, what, what is she waiting for? People are waiting for forgiveness. People are waiting to be uh just re- relief of their stress that they had here while they were on on you know mm-hmm. in the flesh and you know sometimes people do wait for that you know to go on you hear stories like that all the time i can relate to um my sister telling me of my nephew's um passing and like you know his sons finally all came into the room and they were all there he was just he was you know kind of in a catatonic state and once they all got there, my sister says he sat up, took a deep breath, and then that's yeah. that's when that was his last breath. So, I there's a lot of realism to that to what we uh, portray there. Yeah, on that each each sibling went in to 
say their piece. You know, that's what the mom may have been, you know, needing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as a nurse, as a hospice nurse, I think they may have seen many moments like that. So it was just kind of a, a words of wisdom from that character. Absolutely. And as as someone that's watching, uh, it was, and I know I've said this over and over again, but you can just, I guess for me, it was more of, oh my gosh, other family has secrets? They have secrets? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, in this film, oh, yeah. the mother is holding a lot of secrets. Um, can we talk about that aspect and how that had an effect on all of the characters, Kestrin? Yeah, the secrets, I mean, I think we all, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of families can relate to. And in our real life family, you know, in the story where we did come together, there was a big secret that everyone found out the second that they couldn't find out the truth from the person and all of us lost our minds. It was a different secret than the secret in the movie, but the emotional truth was exactly the same level of frustration and betrayal and confusion and like need to know the truth. And I think in the emotional journey of, of our story, sometimes, sometimes the truth is actually less honest than Mm. a lie, Mm. if that makes sense. So like, Sometimes you just got to tell someone what they really need to hear to be okay. Mm. Um, it's it, it, like, that was, that was one of the things that I found where it was like, this person like, isn't actually capable of operating on a truthful reality. And sometimes oh. to really come to have a meeting of the minds, you kind of have to join the, the apparition that they've created or meet them at their level. Mm. Yeah. In order to have it, like, I think especially when you're at the end of a life, like to have an empathy exchange, like if someone's at the end, it's like, I think empathy is kind of more important than maybe like getting to the bottom of it. And for mm-hmm. the siblings to, you know, do this empathy exchange with their parent, you know, I think that that's our whole, our whole life thing, right? Is like, we have to yeah. deal with whatever our parents gave us and sort through it and try to be good people and do the right thing, no matter how big or small or good or bad it was what they gave us. Like mm-hmm. we, that's our whole life mission on this planet is to deal. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and contribute. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's and, true. and, and that's, that's it. It's like, well, you know, you have this mother that is raising these children and she's doing the best she can. And, for a reason she's sheltering them from what her true reality is um but it's as much as i think that you shelter children you also hurt them in a way as well like well what is the truth what is what does it mean to um share with the mom and dad and your your siblings what does it mean to be real and be in that moment? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's things that when I grow, when I grow up, I'll, I'll get more information on a situation that I remember when, when I was a little kid and I'm like, Oh, you know, in retrospect, a seven year old didn't need that information. That was the right decision at the time. And then there's other things that you're like, what? Like you, you, the, you, you guys put the cat to sleep and you didn't tell me. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> would have liked to be involved. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm always thinking about that constantly now. Like what is appropriate to tell my nine-year-old and what's not. So that, yeah. to, to alleviate those moments, because there's going to be a lot of them, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into the other characters, I just want to, when I first started watching the film, so it's okay to say your mom was, she had a, a worm, what's it called? A worm shack. She was worm worm farmer, worm shack. Worm shack. I'm like, I was like, we'll stick with worm shack. She had a worm shack. She was an organic, organic worm farmer, which is a thing that is real. It's how people garden. They get worm juice and worms and you put them in your garden. And that's how you cultivate the worm poop is the cultivated soil that makes a like really good organic potting soil. It's what you mix into when you buy a bag of stuff at the nursery and amend your soil so that your garden can thrive. That's what it is. So that's, that's what you did. Now I was like, what is this? And I was like, who does this? I was like, okay, I got to Google this after I watch this film, because if, if this is a thing, this is like crazy. <laughs> I didn't, so that was, I didn't my know. My father-in-law did. He was a organic, he had, he just always, there was always a worm bin going. It's like a compost bin. That's when people who compost, that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. It's the yes. worm eating the food and it, and it makes great uh, soil in my, in my, we'll call her, I don't know if he's like a common, my father-in-law's best friend is also like, she was this wild worm lady that inspired us. She had this beautiful garden with worms everywhere and it was really uh, mesmerizing. Yeah, that was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait, what is this? I got to Google this. It took me a minute. Like the first time I saw the film, like I didn't, that's an element of the film that I didn't know. Like, so like that wasn't involved in the, in the scenes that I was shooting. So when I saw the film, I was just, I was just like you, I'm like, wait, <laughs> yeah, like, it was a lot of moments. There's a lot of moments in that. Me too. She like, had, how amazing, how and clever. The, and the mother had the kids participating uh, giving out worms to her friends at school and everywhere. Yeah, that that was a shock. Um, yeah. t- talk about well, the, the day without giving giving away the movie. I know, right? Um, <laughs> so talk about the mother. How did she get that cough, or was that like a sound effect? Because that cough was horrible. The cough was horrible. You know, as you know, we had a you know, it's a it's a you know, it's a, boomers with respiratory illnesses is a hot button topic. Uh, at this moment in time and uh, coughs are really scary, right? Like it's a really yes. scary thing that we're all going through right now. Cause it's a virus that's happening around us. But in this instance, it was uh, lung cancer. And that was really driven from my own personal experience, like with someone who had advanced lung cancer. And as far as Melanie's work, that lady is a, is a witch. I mean, she just conjured this cough out of nowhere and um, built it into her kind of mannerisms and demeanor and behavior and um, found a way to work it into every conversation. It was just part of, part of her work. And um, in, in the end, Jay Clark, our sound mixer, developed her cough further in post-production. So this awesome guy named Jay Clark um, just went through every cough in all the internet and like all the databases of sound nerd files and and then he ultimately, I think he did cough acting on top of some of her coughs. And then I think he like, yeah, or, or he, I think he had a cold. I remember him having a cold at some point when we were sound mixing. And I think he might've coughed like through his like 
caught like cold into the movie. It was so weird. Jay Clark is a wizard and the company subtractive that did our audio, our post audio uh, helped fluff her coughs. Yeah. The sound was great and it was so beautiful. Can you talk about the, the design of the film mother's little helpers, how your vision of it to make it come on screen like that kind of, I guess for me, it, it looked like a fairy tale and beautiful and vibrant and yet it's the story about these people, but every moment was captured like a snowflake. There is a really dreamlike quality um, that our, our cinematographer Mina Singh brought to the table by shooting a lot of slow motion um, shots. And then she would just, she has an eye that is, I mean, she is also just a wizard. She, she shot a Netflix series. She shot stuff for the WB and she, we did a series together that involved a lot of slow motion capture. So we developed that look together um, along with Rodrigo Garcia, who um, worked on that other series. Like he informed that aesthetic and, but it was really all Mina Singh's eye. She is so talented and I didn't really tell her to do that much as far as camera operating. It was like, when you got a pro, you sit back. I work with the actors. I do acting and story and I edit. And Mina Singh gets full credit for the look and feel of the film, as well as our colorist, Dave Simmons, who kind of boosted that in post-production as well. Oh, yeah, it's truly beautiful. I guess a lot of people look at film and go, oh, how did they do that? Oh, what made them do it like this? And yeah, it was really beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you, you. Yeah. You guys were supposed to go to South by Southwest. Well, we actually did go to we South did. by last year. Yeah, so we I'm had a victory. I'm rocking the shirt. Yes. So we How were one that? of those lucky folks. We got to go last year and then we sold the movie and we decided to wait until Mother's Day weekend to release it. So for us, we had to wait until this May. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we had an amazing time and I would love for Cool to speak to how wonderful it was. <laughs> oh my God. South by Southwest was so amazing. <clears throat> we went and, uh, you know, first of all, Kestrin has this, um, this RVIP, which is like karaoke on wheels that she, <laughs> like, she made it like, uh, she bannered the whole thing, wrapped it in mother's little helpers, like logos, banners, and, we got to ride around in it, singing karaoke, having a party. But during it all, we also got to do interviews and we got to, you know, ultimately go see our film on the big screen. Uh, oh, wow. Was, was that the Alamo? Mm-hmm. Alamo Draft House. At the Alamo Draft House. And, you know, that was the first time I've ever seen myself on a big screen you know, doing a movie. So it was like, whoa, this is real. This is pretty. And I think, I mean, we had had a screening of the film, but to see it like that, I was like, wow, this is really gorgeous. Like, this is real. And um, just to feel the spirit and the energy of the the people around you and everyone, you know, enjoying the film and your work, um, you know, it, it, it makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes you want to do more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's gonna do more and south by southwest it was just it was just a great experience i couldn't say enough good things about it we got to dress up we're we all got to dress up we um oh this is a funny story 
So uh, when we get there, we got this house, right? So we're all like in this house. And uh, I get there. I got there late. And I, I sneak in and uh, we're, they have bunk beds. So I'm roommates with Melanie. I've met, I met Melanie because of the movie, but her husband's there. And then me and my husband are in the other bunk. So I'm sneaking in and there's like this man. He's just laying there like <laughs> naked almost, like in his drawers, like snoring. <laughs> and then like Melanie's there and then it just roll over and I was like, hi. I'm like, oh, hi. And then we then we crawl into the bunk beds, and uh, then we wake up the next morning and we start promoting our movie. And I, you know, I met Melanie's husband by sleeping next to him, and <laughs> I met her, and we, you know, we just hit it off. We became a family there, and uh, you know, we all did each other's makeup. They catch his makeup. I put eyelashes on. Uh, on Melanie that were like huge. <laughs> we just had a good, we just had a good fun time. You know, we all got, we all got even closer during that time. Yeah. So, that sounds like a good time. And uh, it sounds like you guys were w- well received at South by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. It was a dream. The first time you play an audience, especially at a festival like South by Southwest, there's a lot of pressure. You have a lot of friends, you have a lot of strangers, you have a lot of industry people. And you're, if you're me, you're terrified that they're not going to get it. And um, then through the course of the festival, you have more screenings and it's less people that you know and more strangers. If it's working, mm-hmm. it, it like the ratio shifts into total random locals. And so on the last day, we had a screening like a weekend of South by it, Friday morning at 11 a.m. or like 10. It was really early. And I was like, kind of sad. I was like, no one is going to be here. I do not know why. I feel like such a dork. All the famous people left and like, rock stars like Jen Jen in and Jet out of town and I was like am I the biggest dork for going to this screening at 10 a.m that no one else is going to go to and we showed up and there was a line outside going around the block of people being like where's the mother's little helpers line oh and they let all these people in and I didn't know any of them and the house was so full and it was the loudest laughing crowd that we had had at any screening and that was the first time I ever really had confidence where I was like oh People get this. It's not just like my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was incredible. And the the other character that I wanted to uh, talk about was your brother, Jude. He is struggling through uh, addiction. Talk about your focus with him, Kestrin. So Jude, um, Jude was played by Sam Littlefield, who is uh, currently an actor in Batwoman, uh, C- CW's Batwoman. So he's uh, like one of the first kind of queer supervillains, like in a in a network TV show that's based on a queer superhero. So um, that show stars Ruby Rose, and uh, so Sam brought so much of his raw insights into addiction and the different ways that you play out when you have to be sober if mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're struggling with that, and and how we find these unique ways to act out. Um, especially when we feel trapped, especially when we're around family kind of the core crew that is the probable, like, you know, cause of a lot of the, <laughs> the core issues that are like surround the addiction. And um, that one was inspired by some folks that weren't necessarily, not necessarily like family members, but people that I had been close to and seen them deal with stuff like over the years. And um, Sam really ran with it and took his own unique thing. I mean, he just understands human emotion. He's like a scientist of 
acting out. And there were so many times, especially when we were in a scene together where Sam would be just being really catty or snide. And I was acting in the scene and I, on, I didn't know if he was mad at me. I thought he was actually mad at me and it felt kind of dangerous <laughs> um, because he was being so mean. And so it was really easy to act against that because you're kind of, you're really annoyed with this person who's being just outrageously intolerable. And um, I don't know. I mean, I w- it always weirded me out when we would stop because I couldn't tell if Sam was actually mad at me. I was like, are we okay? Like, do we need to talk? And he was like, no, I was just acting. And I was like, oh, uh- Oh, there you go. Great acting. Yeah. No, I think he really captured what turmoil goes on when you're addicted and you're stuck in a house and feeling trapped. It really rang true. It was it was so true. So beautiful. Yeah, I love I was, the way I that- at this. Go, go ahead. When oh, I look I at just- character, character it's, when I watched the film, for me, it's like he's like, Triple trapped, like he's yeah. like trapped. He's like trapped, and then he's like trapped. He's like, he's like triple trapped, and you're just like, dude, you just want to give him a hug. You're just like, it's gonna be okay. But then he gives you hope because he like he's succeeding. You know, he's succeeding in his trappedness, and then he still gets no credit, and he still gets no credit. You know, from his family, from his sisters. Now they think that he's doing something else that he's not doing. So. I, I you can relate to that. So many people can relate to that character so much that's being trapped on so many levels. And then when you do your best, it's still not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that character. I can't wait for them to see it. Yeah. And then he succeeds. So then it gives you hope, you know, it's really, it's really hopeful. And Kestrin, what were you going to say? I mean, I just, I just say what cool said. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what are some of the challenges that you faced making this film? Well, we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't have a lot of time. We had no money and no time. So we found a way to mitigate that by a lot of, I felt like praying for miracles. I have this lobster that I I saw the lobster (laughs) at a friend's house that was on her shelf. And I was like, that thing is amazing. Where did you get it? I want to get a lobster just like that someday. And then Three months later, she was sold her house, was moving, and she's like, oh, here's the lobster. I don't have room for it in my new place. And I took this lobster and was like, if I could get this lobster, maybe I can make this movie. And then when I talked to Brita, and I asked her, even though I was afraid, and she said yes. Then I was like, well, if I got the lobster and Brita said yes, then maybe Melanie and Cool will say yes. And then they said yes. And then it was like, okay, well, if we were able to do that, then maybe we can get an extra camera for free so that we can cross shoot this movie and we can shoot twice as much in half as much time and it'll cut down our editing time. And then that happened. And then it was like, okay, well, if we got the movie, then maybe we can finish this in 11 days. And then we did that. And then it was like, maybe we can get this editing program. It's a center called the edit center in Brooklyn. They cut beasts of the Southern wild and winter's bone and all these big, beautiful, successful indie movies. I was like, well, if they, if we got the lobster, maybe that at center will cut our movie for free. And then they did. And then it was like, well, okay, if we got all that, maybe we can get into South by. And then we did. And like it, that, like, and then maybe we can sell it to Gravitas that brings us to this moment. That's like, shoot, maybe we can release a movie on mother's day weekend in the middle of pandemic and have like, <laughs> find our audience, you know? Absolutely. And I'm still like, 
moment to moment, it feels like this manic episode that just kept going that is all based on this lobster that sits on my shelf. <laughs> but isn't that amazing? But it's all led by, I just want to toot Catherine's horn for a minute. It's all led by this woman because she creates this environment that people want to create in and want to be a part of. She she allows you that um, expression and she listens to people around her and she makes everyone feel important and welcome and that their ideas are being heard. So it's a, you know how if you're the leader, it kind of trickles down. It does. And you, kind of ma- you manifest it. So that's, you know, that's a, um, I don't know, hats off to, to catch, catch her in for that, because that's, that's the kind of uh, atmosphere she creates on her sets and within her, you know, community. Wow. So that's why people want to say yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yes. Yes. Yay. Go leader. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, you can totally see it. It's just like every character gels with each other. And how can we see it? So Mother's Little Helpers is coming out. We were going to be in the theaters with Alamo Draft House in Los Angeles and select cities um, nationwide. But uh, now we're going to come out on iTunes on May 5th. So you can pre-order it right now. And it's on super sale right now. And then it's going to be live on Tuesday, May 5th. And we're really excited for everyone to watch it on Mother's Day weekend 2020. And, uh, you know, feel not quite so alone, stuck in your house, feeling crazy yeah. feelings. Um, you both as artists, how do you feel about the new transition of films going straight to online now and how people are able to make something that is supposed to be a theatrical release a success? You know, like Trolls was a huge success and it didn't even come out in the theaters. How do you go? How do you go about processing that in your mind? I think there's going to be a lot of game changing coming out of this you know uh, people are going to be doing things a lot of different ways it's kind of like when when beyonce put out lemonade just on on instagram she didn't need a label you know you know what i mean if i got that right i don't know if i got that right but it's kind of <laughs> that thing you can go direct to the consumer now so i i think it's going to be a game changer just like all of this just the way we make movies the 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 way that people behave on sets the way that people get on the set like it's all going to be different it's going to be post pandemic pp kester what do you see for the future of the industry and being a writer director and actor um, I think that there are going to be a lot of opportunities for Swiss Army people like me to be able to generate content because we're able to shoot, we're able to be on camera, we're able to write, direct, and edit. Um, so I do see some really cool things um, coming out soon. I'm excited to see some stuff that Milana's got going on come out in the coming weeks, so keep an eye on her. Um, and uh, what she and I, I hope I will be able to do, like, generating opportunities because we have developed these skills over the years. I think it's a really unique and exciting time. So I'm excited. Um, but I do think that I, there's a movie that I'm directing that I was supposed to be shooting right now and, uh, it got put on pause, but I think it's, it's going to be more like a summer camp situation where everyone goes into lockdown together and we are kind of quarantined while we do our 
project together. And, yeah. and um, you know, it's in, in some ways a little bit similar to the way we made this Mother's Little Helpers. But, you know, there's going to be some unique factors that are going to be, mm-hmm. you know, taken into consideration. But I think a lot of people, like, alone in their homes who are able to put stuff together are going to have a renaissance. Right. Yeah. And I've, I, I've heard that idea of being floated around, like, everybody just camping and quarantining together for two months, making a film and, and then going going home. Yeah. But, but I think that's the, that's one of the things is that, you know, out of what's that, that line, um, uh, adapt or die. So before we got on the call, I was talking to cool about how, you know, it took a while for me to get out of the constant running that I I've been doing for, you know, a year and a half or whatever to where my body is like, Oh, you can finally relax. Oh, okay. And then you don't realize how much pain you're causing yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. until you sit down, until I sat down and realized, oh, wow, what am I doing? How can I change this? How can I be creative and move forward and contribute and share who I am in this space right now? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people may be thinking the same thing. It's almost like the whole world is on maternity leave with you. You're not missing that much. And everyone is telecommunicate, telecommuting. And our DP, Mina Singh, just had a baby. And I was texting with her because I was like, isn't it awesome that everyone else is off too? Like, there's no FOMO, right? Yes. There's no, yeah. I should be doing this right now. We get to yeah. do the things that we get to do. But it is a really exciting equalizer. You know, a lot of people, I mean we're all giving up stuff, you know, we're giving up very little, honestly, in the grand scheme of, you know, relinquishing a theatrical uh, run is very small compared to like being a doctor who's like quarantined, having to live in an RV and not see his kid because he's daily exposed to like COVID on the front line. So it's, it's like, if there's ever been a time that it's not about us and that there is a, such a universal thing going on, like everywhere in the country, this is that time. So it's a really easy time to, just be grateful. Yes. Yeah, I can piggyback off of that too. Like the time when it's not about us because you're in the bigger picture because you're on the hamster wheel. What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And then you you see this bigger thing that is bigger than you or what you were doing just knocks everybody down. Right. And then it makes you reflect on, okay, yeah, no, but how do I fit into this? What am I going to, what am I going to do next to, to, to move on and get out of this. What is this moment going to teach me? And um, I, I think it's like kind of like, not only say mother nature's way of kicking you in the ass and saying, sit your ass down and figure what in the hell you're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, it's kind of that, like uh, what is it that you want now? You can focus in on that, on, on take that time um, and really focus in on you and making yourself better so that when you come out, when we come out on the other side of this, that you are, you know, who you're meant to be, because now you know that at like, uh, you can take a deep breath and it could be the wrong breath. <laughs> and like yeah. now yeah. You're, affected, you're affected and, you know, just, it makes you think how fragile we all are and uh, what's really important. Yeah. And, uh, and-, uh, and that's what this movie does too, you know? Absolutely. And, and cool. You said that uh, you were doing some training on Instagram live, right? Yeah. I mean, 
I started um, I started teaching uh, makeup tricks. That's one of my other passions, makeup. Started teaching makeup uh, tricks to my daughter's uh, theater group. Uh, they're training to be, you know, actors in the industry. So I started teaching online makeup lessons to them. And then I was like, oh, this is great. So now let me teach them this. So now I've just become this, like, great, you know, teacher to my kids' group, to my daughter's group of friends. And we're doing it online. And I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love sharing. I love teaching these kids and watching them, like, them grow. And uh, it's a passion of mine that I, I don't want to stop. Like, oh. I want to keep doing it. Good for you. So that's something that I that I, that I found out about myself. And Kestrin, as a mother of of two, how are you navigating? Every day, <laughs> I will tell you, Laverne. Every day, I vacillate between Mary Poppins running a homeschool and then Miss Hannigan failing miserably at running a homeschool. Uh, every day is very very challenging. I started off by being like, this is going to be the best time of my kid's entire life. They're going to remember this as the best summer vacation that went on forever. We're going to do things. We're going to paint things. We're Right now we're going to bake a cake and I'm going to teach them fractions. But it was like this <laughs> kind of insane, controlling, manic energy that's kind of similar to my character in the movie who's like, we're going to fix this. We're going to find a cure. We're going to make a spreadsheet. Everything's going to be great. We're going to write a list. And um, then, you know, it's similar to my character in the movie deteriorates uh but but does fall like back into order like gently with a lot of self-love and forgiveness of everyone in our house um my kids are doing great i don't they're so young i don't think that they're gonna i think they're gonna remember this is a really fun and exciting time like my husband works in santa monica which if you live on the east side of los angeles is like san francisco it might as well be (laughs) and they're getting so much time with him and my son is four, you know, he's, he's going to turn five in September and this is the cutest he's ever going to be oh, and the littlest yeah. he's ever going to be. And then he's going to start kindergarten. So yeah. it's a really special time to just really treasure and honor that these little people, we get to experience this time with them. Yeah. And also we're not missing <laughs> anything. You know, everyone else is doing the same thing. It's not like we're just suddenly stay at home momming and it's just us. It's like everyone is stay at home parenting. Yes. The longer that this happens, this goes on, though, my daughter feels like now she's saying I'm holding her captive. <laughs> she, she's now she's out of the uh, she's she's over it now. She I, the words came out of her mouth yesterday is that why are you holding me captive? I'm oh, my like, goodness. I'm like, no, I'm not Damn, Anna. Yeah. So wow. she, thinks, uh, now, she thinks it's now captivity. It was fun because she's like, why can't I have sleepovers? Why can't I have play dates? Yeah. And just explaining that, well, yeah. uh, my son is seven as well. Uh, and explaining what we're doing and why we're doing it is so interesting to see how a young person's mind is and what they what they're taking in with COVID-19. You know, it's I'm like curious what you're saying, because my daughter's seven, too. So. Talk to daddy. <laughs> I'm keeping it pretty lean. Ask right daddy. Now. You know, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm keeping it lean that it's like, this is a special time right now. It's not always going to be like this. It started out saying it was a really bad flu and that we have to take these extra precautions. It's not always going to be like this. And this is just for now. I had her start a COVID diary, a quarantine diary. 
Because I oh, explaining nice. that this isn't something that everyone goes through when they're seven, that this yeah. is a special time that's happening in the world. And maybe someday people will ask what you did during this time because it was so unique. And maybe we should mm-hmm. write stories about what's happening. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things as well. We're like, okay, this is what this does. This is how, you know, we're explaining like the science behind it. We're explaining how it spreads we, for him to not be fearful, but to be full of knowledge, therefore to take the right actions to protect oneself. So mm-hmm. that's, that's basically how we're, yeah. And those are my kids actually in the movie, the, 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 the flashbacks, my daughter is little me and my son is little Jude. And then our, our producer, Alexandra, that's her baby is baby Lucy. And then our other producer, Tammy, her kid is the, is Brita. Beautiful. Beautiful. We just brought a camera with Mina to the birthday party or no, to uh, Tammy's partner, Kyle. (laughs) He just came to the birthday party that we were already having and just kind of picked off some B-roll in slow motion. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's amazing how everything just fell in place. You know, not a lot of uh, projects happen like that. So it was meant to be. I feel lobster. <laughs> yes. So Kestrin, how can we find out more about you and Mother's Little Helpers? And yeah, yeah. So um, my life on the internet is Kestrin.com and all my uh, social media like Kestrin Pantera on Instagram, Kestrin on Twitter. I'm pretty much just Kestrin um, everywhere on all social media platforms and Mother's Little Helpers film has some really cool stuff coming out on their Instagram some really good uh, backstage memories of Joy Pride, our mom backstage with Mick Jagger and the Beatles and um, Keith Richards. So I encourage everyone to follow Mothers of the Helpers film on Instagram because there's a lot of really funny, funny imagery coming out there right now. And motherslittlehelpers.co is our website. But the, you know, the fastest thing you could do is just go to iTunes and plug it into your search bar and buy it right now while it's on sale. Absolutely. I encourage everyone to do so. And cool. How about yourself? How can we find about out about what you're doing? Probably take play, take part in your makeup sessions. Yes. Oh yeah. So um, (laughs) I, I am on Instagram now. I didn't used to be on Instagram so much because I was working so much, but now that, (laughs) now that we're off of that, I'm like, oh, I like the social media thing. So you can follow me <laughs> on Instagram at beat by cool. That's B-E-A-T by cool. And to beat means to get your face done because like that's, I love doing makeup. And uh, I, you can find find me also on coolbenson.com. It's like an old outdated website, but it's still there. And you can, what else? Oh, follow me on daily Anna daily now day daily Anna is my daughter and she is an up-and-coming superstar she is uh that's really that's what my passion is right now too also is developing her so if you follow at daily Anna daily Anna is spelled d-a-e-l-y-a-n-n-a and daily like daily so daily Anna daily um yeah so follow us there Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kestrin Pantera, director, filmmaker, actor, Mother's Little Helpers, and also Cool Benson, who played Nurse Cool. Such a thrill to talk to you. Thank you for sharing this movie with us, and thank you for sharing your lives with us, and please stay safe.
Yeah. Thanks, Laferne. Thank you. Thank you, Laferne, for having us. It was awesome. Thank it's you. A great honor. Thank you. This is 710 ESPN. You've been listening to The Experience with Laferne Cusack. Getting the residents of Los Angeles, Orange County, and all of Southern California closer to their community. It's The Experience with Laferne Cusack on 710 ESPN. 